Hey everyone, welcome back to the How to Life podcast. This is the podcast that helps you learn how to maneuver through adulthood with grace and knowledge. I'm Dr. Laura Jaggett, your host, and today you're listening to episode 62. How do you achieve grace? I would say it's through experience and how we successfully handle the situations in our lives. We're taught how to handle life through our families and how they deal with things, but very often, they do not do the best job. It's because they didn't have all the skills or tools and no one taught them. And very often they become angry, unhappy, and frustrated. And then we learn to expect that in our own lives. Perhaps you are experiencing unhappiness and dissatisfaction right now. Maybe you have brought an unhealthy ancestral cycle into your now. If so, this episode may help you. My guest is Miva, a certified hypnotherapist and energy healer who helps her clients heal deep childhood wounds and break free of the dysfunctional behaviors and cultural habits that may have plagued generations. You can break the cycle, you can do better, and you can break free of toxic thoughts and behaviors. You are not your past. Your past does not define or limit you. I hope this podcast episode opens a door for you to take charge of your now and allow the best version of yourself to step forward. Hi, me. Welcome to the How to Life podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. Thank you so much, Dr. Laura. It is a pleasure to be on your show. I would like you to please introduce yourself to my audience. Tell us a little bit about you and what you do. I am a certified hypnotherapist and energy healer. I'm based in Southern California, sunny, beautiful Southern California. I live with my husband and my son, and I help people who have experienced terrible traumas and abuse and to guide them and help them release or remove that pain. And these Abuse and trauma symptoms show up in various ways. So people can come in and they need self-confidence work. They are feeling depressed. They have relationship issues. Um, so that's really my specialty is helping those who have been abused and who have gone through terrible traumas. The title of this episode is Breaking the Cycle of Your Past. And a lot of people don't realize that these things are sort of ancestral. They're sort of cycles that occur in our family uh, I think as people are going through it, they think, oh, well, that's just how life is because that's all they've known. But you have come to know that you can break that cycle. You can end whatever happened to you in the past. It does not define who you are in the present. So can you just briefly tell us your own personal journey of how you came to know this? Thank you. I'm happy to. And you're absolutely right, Dr. Laura. What happened to us in the past is just the past. It can easily change. It can easily be eradicated. We are not victims or prisoners of our past. So my background is that I was born in Laos uh, in 1972 to a farming Hmong family high up in the mountains. And during the Vietnam War, 
the CIA came to Laos and secretly recruited my people to fight the Viet Cong on their behalf, promising that they would help us. And so when the Vietnam War was lost, the Communist Party in Laos also took over Laos, and they started to turn on the Hmong as the enemy and start to exterminate the people, families, little kids, old people. There was no discrimination. So we started fleeing for our lives, dodging bullets, landmines, bombs, poison gas, starvations, and um, diseases. And we were very fortunate, my family and I, to have made it to the Thai refugee camp. We did lose a two-year-old brother to poison gas. And so I've experienced in my opinion, pretty extreme traumas as uh, I was about five to six years at that time. And then once we got to Thailand, we were able to be responsive to the U.S. So we came here, a family of probably 10 children. My mom has some more kids once we got here. And we started a you know, new life. So that was the first factor, main factor in my life of the past is the trauma. The second one is the cultural oppression. So growing up in an Asian family, girls were not valued as highly as boys. And I have eight brothers and two older sisters. And growing up, ever since I remember, my sisters and I were the one who were doing um, the cooking, the cleaning. And while my brothers can just go out and play, we have to stay home and take care of all the household stuff. And not only that, but we were not allowed to go to school until we came to the U.S. And so having that belief that women and girls are not worth as much and men are better in our family, the boys were definitely giving more support than the girls. And so that also it's a big factor in my self-conscious you know, programming of big part of my past that haunted me. The third and final one is the abuse. My mom is a very loving, very generous, caring person. She will give you her heart. She will give you her last dime. But her way of keeping all these many little kids in control was to beat us and to yell at us. And she did that, I think, to the extreme. And so... Many of us from the abuse were just as traumatized as we were from the war. I remember her telling me as long as I remember that I was ugly. So I grew up believing that I was really ugly. And when I see any girl walk by, I would wish if only I looked like her, then I would be good enough. And so that led me into falling in love with the first guy who told me I was beautiful. And so there's three type of trauma, the culture oppression, the war trauma, the abuse that led me in my adult life to marrying an abusive man, even though I was college educated and I was the main breadwinner. I was financially support him. I couldn't even leave him for eight years. And that also led me to struggle financially, to struggle career-wise. I was just working hard to survive. So even though I have moved away from all those traumas and abuse, I was still living in them in my self-conscious mind. So they seem to follow you. And you mentioned this word a few times, the word belief. You came to believe that this is how men act. This is how women are seen. This is how life is. It became a belief system that, I think, is what kind of perpetuates this, this cycle, this familial cycle, this cultural cycle, the cycle of abuse. But there comes a point where 
you can make a decision. You start recognizing it's not like this for everybody. You see other people that aren't experiencing this. So when did you start realizing that there was more, more to hope for and more to expect? I was fortunate that I went away from the family to go to college. And that exposed me to a different world, different cultures, different ways of how couples interact with each other, different ways of how parents treated their children. I used to, when I went to college, I used to feel like I was an orphan because my parents didn't come and visit me or take me out to lunch. I was just envious watching you know, my classmates do that. So I felt like an orphan. <laughs> and so that really helped me to see a different possibilities. So while you were still in college, you got married and you happened to draw a similar type of personality into your life because that was your belief system. That's kind of what you expected. And you lived with that for another eight years. When did you decide that you could change things? First of all, I want to say I married my mom. I wanted to marry my dad who was gentle and patient, but I end up marrying my mom. And I think that having go through the consistent abuse for so long. At some point, I was just so tired and done. I don't think I made a decision to change. It was like, I am so tired. I want out. Rock bottom. Yes. So it was an escape from future pain. Was it a deliberate intention? Did you make a decision to do something different to sort of break the cycle? Yes, I did. I remember when I was... Um, just graduated from my master's degree and was working full time. And I was so unhappy. And I thought this is going to be the rest of my life. Either I would die or he would die to escape this. I would feel like I was stuck. And so I was looking for a way of philosophy to help me. And I happened to find Buddhism. And through chanting and through the Buddhist philosophy, I gained more confidence. So I went to learn Buddhism with the goal of finding some strength so I can leave And so two years later of chanting and learning Buddhist philosophy, I finally had the courage to ask him to leave. It's often very traumatic to sort of bolt without a plan. So you actually took a couple of years to work on yourself, not asking him to change or not even saying, hey, let's work on this together. You worked on yourself first, and that's how you got some confidence and some clarity to make the decision you needed to do? Yes, How did it feel when you made the change? Were you happy or were you scared? You know, for the first time, when my son and I moved out into our own apartment, there was peace. I was not afraid as much as relieved and just having peace. Oh, my God, like life can be like this. This is so good. When did you start your career? So I left him at before the age of 30. And the career, this current career actually comes at the age of 39. So after I left him, I began to design my life. I remember deciding the person I want to be, the career with the kind of success I want to have, and the kind of woman I want to be to a man. And I wrote all of those down. And then I, I was also heavy into personal development, reading books, going to seminars. So I was getting better and better. But the process was still kind of slow until 2012 when I learned more about Reiki. I was introduced to Reiki and then metaphysical and then hypnotherapy. And that's when the floodgates open and the personal development, the healing happened very rapidly. 
So you say the process was slow, but I want to point out by you saying that you wrote things down, you went searching for things. It was very deliberate. So the process was slow, but it was very intentional and very deliberate and focused. And you were determined to break away from what you grew up with and start anew. Finally, the floodgates opened. What happened then? I So I went to hypnotherapy school to become a hypnotherapist. And after that, I just realized hypnotherapy is so powerful. It's time that I focus on myself. So I dedicated a year of just getting hypnotherapy and energy healing for myself. And in that one year, I heal so much internal turmoil and pain than I have done in the last 10 years prior. And since then, I've been just continuing to work on myself. And, you know, healing is like an onion. We peel one layer and we think, yeah, we're good. And the next layer show up and you realize, wait, there's more. Wait, there's this trigger that I didn't realize. Wait, this feeling, this belief that I didn't know existed. So more of the layers show up. And for me, it's I'm so much better now, but it's still a continuous healing process. It's always refining yourself. Exactly. What is hypnotherapy? What do you gain from that? Oh, my God. (laughs) That's an excellent question. Hypnotherapy, to me, is such a powerful tool to help people to go to the root cause of their problem and clear it out or delete it so that they don't have to live with that problem anymore. It is a tool that is positive and very effective. So hypnotherapy feels like you are in a meditation. You're relaxed, your body's relaxed, your mind is calm, but in that state is very powerful because it takes you into your subconscious mind where all the programming, all the garbage, all the pain and the beliefs, all the stuff that don't work for you are stored in there, as well as all the stuff that are working for you are also stored in there. So it's like going into the computer programming and being able to make changes to the HTML coding and, you know, and your mind. And once you change the coding, then your life change, your outlook change, your environment change. What is energy clearing? You mentioned that. How does that work? So I, my foundation of energy healing is with Reiki, and then I went on to learn other modalities of energy healing. But basically, energy is everywhere around us. We all have access to energy. It's hard to explain it because most people don't feel it or sense it, but those who are trained in energy healing can feel it, can sometimes see, can sense it. And imagine if every part of your body is made up of energy, tiny little molecules, and the outside environment is made up of energy, like, you know, the quantum field. And if there's any imbalance in the environment or inside of you, then it causes disease or emotional issues. And when you clear or balance the energy, then things flow, things are balanced, you're happier, your body is healthier. I think people don't realize that we are energetic beings. So if you don't believe or understand in the concept that everything is just energy, how do you speak to someone or how do you get them to release that resistance? Well, someone who isn't ready, I wouldn't force them, but maybe I can open up a door like those who do acupuncture, if they believe in acupuncture, if they've done acupuncture, if they had done Qigong or martial art, 
uh, if they sing, they're musician, they are exposed to energy. But if someone is not ready, they're not ready. I have found that too in my own practice of chiropractic. If they're not ready, you can't convince them. And that is perfectly okay because everybody comes to their own knowing in their own way and in their own time. So there's no pressure there. Yes, exactly. How much does one's perception, the negative one or or positive one, how does your perception affect your happiness or your energy? And can that perception play a role in one's outlook? That's an excellent question. In my experience, perception plays a big part and our happiness and outlook and even our results. So just like the law of attraction, what you believe, what you feel, what you think you attract. If you wake up in the morning and you don't want to get out of bed and you're having a bad day or you have a lot of stress that day, and if your perception or your attitude is, oh, this is a bad day and I don't want to get up, it's going to be terrible, then you're going to feel terrible and you don't want to get up. But even if you're having a bad day and there's a lot of stress going on, if you change the attitude and you go, today, I'm going to make it a great day. And just saying that will change how you feel and will change how your day goes too. So perception, uh, attitude, uh, outlook is a big part of our outcome. I have talked about this so many times. And even if sometimes it's too big a jump to say, I'm going to conquer today if you aren't feeling that at all. I mean, don't lie about it, but you can find one tiny little good thing in your life, no matter how small it is, to be grateful for. And you can just focus on that. That's a successful day rather than look at the laundry list of things that you don't like or aren't going your way. It's a process. You just keep your intention set and keep moving forward. Absolutely. It it is a process. So talking about perception and deliberate intention, let's say, in breaking ancestral cycles, it can be done just because this is the way your parents and their parents and everybody else has done it. If you don't like it, you don't have to continue that forward into the future. Just because everyone in your family all died of heart disease, that doesn't mean that it's going to happen to you too. You make conscious decisions to break that cycle. I have a question for you. How does someone even know that they're in an unhealthy cycle? That's a very good question. And a lot of people don't know because like you mentioned earlier, it's normal. If they grew up in that environment, that's just normal for them. The one meter that I use is no matter how good you think things are for you or how good life is going for you, if you are not happy for a long time, then something is not right. And so I encourage you to investigate what is it that you're not happy and find the root cause of it. And I encourage you to also honor your feelings. When people get to that point, they will often come and see you. What are these people hoping to achieve? I think many of them, they just want freedom from the pain, a relief from the pain. Some of them want to achieve a specific goals like being in a relationship or achieving certain career success. But the ones who are in pain, they just want to get rid of the pain. Once you find peace, no matter how small it is or in whatever way, it's a feeling of power because you realize that you have now changed your perception or changed your outlook. When you get a hold of that, you want more and more and more. It's fun. It's fun to know your power. What do you like about what you do, me? 
What I like about what I do is the tools that I use are highly effective. Clients can change traumas in an instant. And just seeing clients come from severely abused to being empowered, changing their life, changing the relationship, changing their career, just being empowered. It is very rewarding. Can you tell me a little bit about how you take someone into a hypnotic state? There are various techniques that I use to take them into a relaxed state and then take them to, you know, hypnosis. One of the main ones that I use, it's called a progressive relaxation, which is relaxing every muscle in your body from the top of your head, going down through your body to the tip of your toes. And that's uh, one that uh, many hypnotherapists use because it really helps your body to relax and it helps your mind to focus in on your body. And then do you talk with them through the hypnotic state? Hypnosis is about using the voice to guide the client. And so I talk most of the time guiding them. Sometimes I will ask the client questions to tell me where they are, how they're feeling, so that I can take them further to the next level of healing or to the next issue. And so, yes, most of the time I'm talking and guiding in a tone that is gentle and calming. So there is a trust that needs to be between the client and you. They have to trust you in order to let go. It's very important because we're talking about working with the deepest, darkest pain and also going into their subconscious mind. And so, yes, every single time I have to win my client's trust so that we can have effective therapy. Do the skills that the client learns as far as relaxing, can they use that on their own for their own meditative practices? Yes. When you learn hypnotic techniques, it helps you to go into meditation quicker. And some clients, after a few sessions, they can just take themselves into hypnosis without me having to do a lot of the work. They're ready and willing to go there. Yes. That's a good place to be. Me, this is very fascinating. So how can people find you? How can they find you? your website, your address, your contact information? They can find me on my website and it's www.meva.com. Meva is spelled M-E-E-V, like Victor, A, like amazing, and J, like joyful, meva.com. I have a free and guided meditation that is hypnotic on my website. You can go to my website, put in your email, and you will get instant access to the meditation. I also do a monthly guided hypnotic meditation class that is live, and all my classes are on my website as well. Do you only see people in person, or do you ever do online consultations? Right now, because we are in the pandemic, I am seeing clients only through um, Zoom and phone. But once we go back to normal, whatever normal is, I will begin to see clients in office as well. Me, I want to thank you so much for joining me today and sharing this information, breaking the taboo of ancestral cycles and helping people learn how to break their own past. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It is an honor to be here on your show. Now you know. Awareness is the first step to making change. Why wouldn't you be the best version of you? The tools and help you need are there for the taking. 
You can find more about Miva and all her contact information in this podcast show notes at howtolife.com slash 062. If you are enjoying this content, please give it a five-star rating and or a positive review on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast platform. Thank you very much for all the kind comments and encouragement so far. I really appreciate your support. If you would like to hear about something specific, please feel free to send me an email at drlj at howtolife.com and I'll make a show or momonar just for you. What is a momonar? It is a short video tutorial on how to perform or deal with a basic life skill. You can check those out on my YouTube channel, How to Life, or my website, howtolife.com, houses all the momonar and all the podcast episodes there. Subscribe to both the podcast and the YouTube channel to get the adulting information you may have missed in school. Let's be honest, they don't teach this stuff in school. That's it for today. I look forward to meeting with you all again next week. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Love your tribe. Inspire someone. Go out of your way to spread a little kindness. But most of all, be kind and love yourself. You're right where you're supposed to be. You got this.